Hello and welcome to Portraits of Clongos, a podcast series that takes you on a journey into the lives of former pupils of Clongos Wood College. My name is Russell McDermott, and in this podcast series, we will speak with alumni from Clongos to hear their first-hand accounts of the transformative impact this school has had on their lives. Richard Bruton is a Fine Gael politician and a former minister. Today, he holds the role of chairman of the Parliamentary Party for Fine Gael. Richard, the first question I have for you, which we ask everybody, is how was Clongos for you and how do you remember it? Well, I, I enjoyed Clongos uh, in so much as anyone would enjoy a boarding school. Um, I wouldn't be a big fan of boarding schools in principle. I didn't send any of our own kids there. I had been in Belvedere before I went to Clongos, so I knew the, the Jesuit regime, so to speak. But, you know, I, I, you know, the separation from your family is a little bit of a jar going to a, going to a boarding school compared to Belvedere. On the other hand, you know, I, I, I take my hat off to the Jesuits. They provide a, a great grounding, um, you know, strong values, good education, uh, and all of that was was there in in Clongos as it was in Belvedere. A lot of you know teachers and Jesuits who you know would go beyond the the job spec, you know, to inspire students and and to you know give you uh, something more than. Just the curriculum. Like, remember, Ray Lawler was there in my time. He was um, teaching teaching honors maths. Yeah. He had been um, he had been managing the farm before that, yeah. and he's a very interesting character. I don't know whether you knew him. He was yeah, very he used, to, he used to teach us French by then. I came in seventy two. He was a French teacher for us then. I see Cyril Power. No, sorry, that's the Ray Lawler. Cyril Power oh, was kind of semi-retired. Sorry, I meant, yeah. I meant Cyril, Cyril Power. Power. Cyril Power was just there and he did maths for clever people, of which I was more than Richard. I was one of the clever people oh, yeah. and he was exceptional. Yeah. Now, he, there were hazards in his class because <laughs> I remember he had to lie against the blackboard to mm. support his, his weight in his advanced age. He would uh, walk across the board writing things he would be rubbing out what he'd already written so uh, it was often you had to be quick not only to pick up on the mats but to uh, Take avoid the having everything smudged but he was a, a wonderful man and he used to do a, a Latin mass which would be over in about 10 minutes which was very popular uh, among people yeah, sure. despite the uh, new scripture and all the rest yeah. of it uh, but yeah there was yeah Ray Lawler was another great teacher he taught French and yeah. DJ, he taught and I remember him. Um, you'll probably remember Serge Gaines for yes. Serge. Many songs. He had, <laughs> he had this famous song, Je t'aime, yeah. which was yeah. very bordering <laughs> on the obscene, if not the yeah. totally obscene. Yeah. Uh, Ray Lawler was being asked to translate <laughs> <laughs> what was in the uh, in Serge, Serge Gaines' yeah. room. Was that yeah, Serge Gaines, yeah. 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 Uh, so Ray uh, took us in good heart the, the request. A lot of yeah, sound no, effects of that song as well, Richard. It couldn't be translated exactly. I wouldn't think so. No, I wouldn't. It was a full translation. John Luby was another man. Yeah. He was he's very still, inspirational. Well, even he's, he's still around. He's retired now. So yeah, John's still yeah, very inspirational. You know, pushed out into appreciation of, of, of literature well beyond, you know, the, the sort of book learning of, you know, recording the theme and the yeah. plot. You know, he was a, a very inspiring teacher so 
you know, I, 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 I think I got a great education there. There's no doubt about that. Uh, in my time, people who are from me, or Kildare, were in a very privileged position because you got permission to go to Punchestown oh. uh, whenever that came up. So that was, uh, well, it always comes up in April, three or four day meet, but you'd get out for one of the days. So I think that sort of, there was a bit of a country fellas versus city fellas and quite a few overseas people, you know, people whose parents were working elsewhere, maybe usually in England or even further afield. But the Meath and Kildare group were a fairly... uh, Solid group. Would you say so a lobby like, group? Would you? <laughs> I wouldn't say quite a lobby group, but they were a distinct power. Group. Yeah, I'd say I I perfected my card playing skills. Oh, uh, some of those, uh, some of the people who I now play cards, I think, are on the bench. Have <laughs> so used those skills better than I have. Yeah. And Does were there it? many breaks that, apart from the punch down meet? I mean, you were probably like in our day or my day, where it was. Eight or nine weeks before you got out. So Halloween was a you know break. Paddy's day. I mean, it's different now. They get out every two minutes. But in those days, there seemed to be long gaps between the terms. Yeah, there were long gaps. Now, the the, the advantage you could come on a Wednesday afternoon. I think so. If being a farmer's son uh, from somewhere not too far away, that was an option that my parents sometimes would come on a on an afternoon, right. a Wednesday noon you get an hour or two out and uh, there wasn't an awful lot you could do but it was a, a sort of a some sort of a connection uh, to have uh, but yeah I I think boarding schools are uh, you know they're difficult they're difficult regimes to make as humane as you'd like them to be I think you know I think that's uh, but that's you know it's, it's just a, uh, it's difficult you're herding all you know people together like that None of ours have gone to boarding school. Um, th- that's not to say I, I didn't enjoy it or, or anything That was a very like that. conscious decision not to send your son there, was it? Because... Well, you know, everything is about the, the opportunity. Like, I, we live in the city, um, so there's a, be absolutely no reason. Yeah. It was different when, you know, I was living in the country and, you know, trying to get two buses to get to, um, to Belvedere yeah. was just an awful lot of hassle. Uh, or my parents would have to be, you know, trying to shuttle you to some bus to shorten the journey. But, you know, it was just, it was uh, much more challenging in those times. So I suppose other than that, I probably would have been quite content to stay in Belvedere, but it was just too too difficult to get to get there. And was it, not, was it made any easier because your other brother was there or family went there or anything like that? You still found it well, hard? I was the only one who went to Belvedere. John didn't go to Belvedere. Yeah, to Congress, so, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so I suppose I had I had uh, been exposed to <laughs> an experience that he hadn't. Right. Uh, so that that came as a result of my own aunt used to be uh, a nun in Cabra, and they had a junior boys' school there, uh, which you know for primary, which we both went to, but it closed during my period. So mm. I moved on to Belvedere, whereas John went straight from Cabra to 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 Tongos. Right. Uh, so that was really the, the 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 difference. Yeah. And when you look at what you've done in your life, is there any things you can say that the the Jesuit or Clongos education or whatever gave you for your life that you've adopted, disciplines, values that stand out in your mind? 
I don't know. It's, it's you know, it has sound a bit pompous to be saying that, you know, something about values, I'm sure uh, there, there, there are. But I think it does rub off on you, you know, a sense of, of public service, of responsibility to a, a, you know, a greater, to greater goal than, you know, narrow ones that you might define for yourself. And, mm. um, you know, I think it, it, it is a, a good, um, it's been a good education base for, for going into politics. Anyhow, I don't, you know, I'd say I've, I've brought skills and values uh, and an, I suppose an interest in listening to people, which is always, uh, I always say politics is much more the art of listening than the art of speaking. Um, if only more people did it, Richard, it'd be great, I think. Well, that's the thing. There, there's a, it was, I remember um, Seamus Patterson, who used to be the Kian Gorla here, yeah. he used to always say, more people talked their way out of this house <laughs> than talked their way in. <laughs> You know, if you get too obsessed with the sound of your own voice in this game, uh, you can uh, have a very short career. So yeah. I've had a very long career in politics, so I must be doing something must right. Be doing so, something right. Well, yeah. Whether it's the Jesuits that can take uh, credit or, or who gets the credit, I don't know. It's not about credit, Richard. It really, you no, know, it's but I think it's the, the tolerance of the people <laughs> in art. Yeah. But I mean, at the end of the day, the... the, the, the feeling need or the want to be in public service, that kind of vocational thing, was that your own making influences outside Tongos or Jesuits or whatever? Is that something that runs in your blood? Well, I suppose, yeah, as you probably know, my own brother mm. got involved in politics at a very young age. He, ran he was kind of successful, wasn't he? Yeah, he, at, at the age of 21. Yeah. So he, he, it was exceptional so I was a number of years uh, younger than him. So I was still a teenager when he was campaigning. So naturally, you know, living in that sort of a environment generates an interest in, in politics. You know, John was always very interested in history. And even as tiny kids, we'd be sitting at the back of the car and John would be talking to my father about some incidences in <laughs> Second World War or whatever the topics of the day. So, you know, there was, uh, I suppose there was an interest in public affairs generated from a, a, a young age. Uh, but I didn't go into politics as young as John did. Um, you went off to Oxford after UCD, didn't you? Well, no, I went to work for the ESRI, oh, yes, right. Economic and Social Research Institute. And I got a, they, they sponsored scholarships or whatever you like to call them yeah. in, in in abroad, so I did two years in England, as you yeah. say, in, in Oxford. After I finished with them, and then I went to Roadstone Cement, Roadstone Holdings, and um, you know, so I, I had uh, I didn't go directly into into politics, but I suppose I did find I loved the policy, the analysis side of politics, which maybe is less important nowadays than. <laughs> One would like it to be, yeah. uh, but I like that policy wonk side of things. And I suppose I was, you know, having worked in the SRI, I think I was well equipped um, for that side of politics, evaluating options and so on. And then I, I suppose I learned uh, from from working and seeing John's operation, you know, how to manage elections, win elections. We pulled off a few very tight uh, election victories in, in in the constituency here in the yeah. early days. It was a, a an interesting time to be. It was a natural seat for feeling in many ways. It? No, it was uh, it was Noel Brown who stepped yeah. down my constituency when I won the seat. So Noel obviously 
well, he had been a member of many a party, uh, <laughs> but he, uh, excluding Fine Gael, so yeah. I suppose uh, <laughs> Surprise uh, that 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 I succeeded to his seat, but you know I've obviously been with it for for over forty years now. Yeah. The same constituency, although it has got larger um, in 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 various redrawings. But you know I think the voters have been very loyal to me, and I hope I've been loyal to them over the the years in terms of um, service. I've been terribly lucky. I've got. 10 over 10 years service in cabinet which mm. you know was an exceptional um opportunity to get part of that's I, indeed in the department of education so <laughs> it comes full circle I, I was responsible for schools for um for about two years uh I, I, under enda kenny and therefore with that hat on you must see go back to your previous point about boarding schools i mean i know clongo is kind of struggling its own identity it's more difficult to say what Clongo is about because Dublin's expanded. You know, that type of education, as you say, is different now than it was 20, 30 years or 40, 50 years ago when I went or when you went. Do you know what I mean? Is there yeah, a place for it? People forget how, how dramatically things have changed. Mm. I mean, when I was in college, I would say one in 20 went to college. Yeah. Now it's, it's, it's two-thirds of people go to college. So it's a completely transformed by, you know, free education and subsequently free third level education. Well, obviously, there's still a charge, a mm. uh, student charge, but, you know, it is very much cheaper to access third level in Ireland than in anywhere in else. Mobile. Yeah. So we've seen a massive transformation in education participation. And, you know, that certainly has changed the context in which, you know, schools, which were, you know, obviously private there was no public schooling uh, available until free education came came in so there's been a massive change in the context for education but i think that the challenges remain the same you know i think you know good teaching and good leadership of schools remain the two things that decide the quality of an education um i think we're fortunate in ireland we we have kept up a high standard of teachers. And, you know, obviously Dongos was exceptional. Some of the teachers we had there, Ben Sherry, I remember, was an exceptional teacher um, and many, many others. But I I think it's, if you want to say, what are the investments one should be making in in education to improve the quality? I, I think it is to invest in leadership, to encourage innovation and to invest in the quality of teaching. Mm. Um, and those are the things that really, um, you know, we need. And the difficulty I see in the education system, it's become a bit too put into a straitjacket by the likes of the leaving certificates where right. teachers are forced to teach the ex- to the exam and to get points. Uh, and it, it undermines, you know, good teaching. It restricts the capacity for innovation, you know, right. because you're sticking to such tight guide rails. So, you know, I, I, I think... Education is a sector I'd love to have been in it longer than the two years I was there. I think policy instruments to promote excellence, innovation, leadership, you know, those are badly needed and still are badly needed. We tend to run an education system that is too much of a, you know, very centralized input output model, which really I think is not well suited to the sort of challenges that um, you know, young people need to be prepared for in their, their lives Today, uh, yeah. in, in the, the, the 21st century. 
Correct, yeah. And the eye of the needle of that leaving cert, we're still toying with that. And I thought it would be gone in my lifetime. And it's still, it's still standing. Yeah, it's, it clings on resolutely. I suppose its strengths are people see it's very fair uh, yeah. and it is subject to corruption or favoritism. And mm. that is a, you know, that is not an inconsiderable strength of it, but it definitely, um, we need to move away to have more adventurous assessment methods that can free up teaching and free up innovation in the classroom. And, you know, that that I know that poses challenges, particularly to teachers who don't like the idea of being, you know, judges of the quality of their own students' work, even yeah. albeit, you know, with with invigilation of, of the decisions they make. But I think that has to come, you know, if we want to free up the education system, I think teachers have to see that, you know, evaluation of what's being learned uh, and the capacity of, of students to deal with, you know, different challenges, that has to become uh, something that they embrace. Uh, I think long term, it will, you know, make education much more interesting for teachers and, and students alike. But you know, there is a bit of a transition and convincing people to go down that road is is not inconsiderable, as they say. I wouldn't disagree with that assessment. And going back to those first days, is there an outstanding memory of uh, going up the driveway or something that sticks out in your mind of the first day you went there that may haunt you or otherwise? What do they say? Seasons of mists and mental <laughs> fruit. Uh, I certainly remember the cold mists coming in uh, as the days shortened in, uh, in, in, in winter in Tlongos. Yeah, there was a sort of a, a bit of a jolt in, in, in that sort of the, the shortening days yeah. in, in a boarding school. It all felt a little bit, the prison gates closing in around <laughs> it. But I know that that would be to portray it in a very negative light. I think while occasionally there might have been rains of terror yeah. uh, in in the corridors, yeah. when someone went on a rampage about discipline, by and large, um, you know, it was a pleasant experience for me anyhow. And does the term men for others mean anything to you or is that uh, something that postdated you? I mean, it's a very common phrase used in the Clongo's education system now. Which phrase? Boy, men for others. You know, this ability to look out for each other, work together, it's become a, it's not a cliche, but uh, I think it's a more... Even after my period, it's a thing that's bandied about. So it doesn't kind of, does it resonate with you? Like your year classmates and your year, are you close or you stick together? Or No, I wouldn't say we are. I keep in touch with a few, but very few and more, you know, by accident and de- de- design. design. Like it's great to meet them. You always discover 50 years might have intervened, but the people <laughs> you liked, you still like yeah. <laughs> 50 later and you have no difficulty in picking up the threads of conversation with them but no I wouldn't have thought the idea of a sort of a club of people who looked out for one another that certainly wouldn't have been a feature that I have experienced um, certainly there's no group in the political world uh, <laughs> that you could say that of. I don't think so I'd say that's a sort of a, a British concept that you know maybe people try to apply in an Irish situation, but I don't, I, I haven't found that there's any much, you know, common, common cause across past pupils. I, certainly not in my experience. Okay. 
And if you were asked for a piece of music that uh, takes you back to that time, is there one that comes to mind? Well, I always remember Akabilk was sitting in that uh, <laughs> recreation room at Why, the Extraordinary. Strangers on the shore. Maybe that was inappropriate for, uh, <laughs> for all these boys suddenly landed in, into boarding school. And we were all strangers on the shore. But yeah. that was uh, certainly a, a, a record that was there in the um, whatever they call that recreation room. Um, trying to think of whoever. Well, of course, uh, the R- Roddy Quinn was in my class. So Manfred Manns, oh. uh, the <laughs> Mighty Quinn. <laughs> the Mighty Quinn, yeah. Yeah, but I suppose it was... The Beatles were dominant at the time. They were they were the, the new kids on the block. I suppose we were all much beholden to them. But you know, top of the pops was one thing we we used to see. Is I can't remember was it after mass or Benedictine <laughs> or something yeah. or other. But music was uh, sort of a, a, a feature of life. You probably remember T. C. Kelly was yeah. there at that. He was a remarkable musician. Now, I never, I never was subject to any of his instruction, but <laughs> my love of music has certainly endured, whether it was created um, in 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 Tongos or not. And my hatred of porridge and smoked <laughs> fish. <laughs> there are other legacies. Uh, and you never made the choir or the orchestra, Richard. You were expelled, or you didn't make it. I didn't make any of these collective efforts. I didn't make the rugby team or uh, I think occasionally I made a debating team. I switched to playing soccer as whenever we were allowed stop rugby, I switched to playing soccer, which which I, I enjoyed. So I played most of my rugby after I left school, uh, strangely enough, in North Kildare. Oh, North Kildare, yeah. And if I asked you to sum up Clongos in a word or phrase, could you, Richard? I think it was a, it was a tremendously solid base for anyone and you know we were uh, immensely privileged to got the qual- that quality of education at that time as a small small proportion of people even got to complete second level and, and an even smaller proportion got to go on to third level as I did so you know there's no doubt that the Jesuits provided us with a very privileged start in life and you know I've tried to apply it in the public interest and uh, not from any sense of heroism, but that's the job I pursued. And I think, you know, I think the, the Jesuit education definitely uh, equipped me for that, you know, the ability to see all sides of, of issues, to be calm and weigh things up. And, you know, I, I think it was an excellent education and there were some excellent people that, you know, we uh, we were privileged to be taught by. So, you know, I would say very positive things about it, even though I might have enjoyed every minute of it. Richard Bruton, thank you for joining us on the Memories of Congress podcast. Thank you. Thank you.